0: So welcome to the next episode of uh, Techman Does Dynamics. Talks Dynamics. Talks Dynamics. That's fine. We can do <laughs> dynamics together. <in laughs> <that. laughs> get the name right. That's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, That's why it's fun doing it with you three. No, no. Leave <laughs> it <laughs> Everybody knows I get everything wrong anyway, so what the hell. Um, over a year ago, we did an episode called Getting App Ready which was about the process of converting to the new apps and all the rest of it. And I think, Liam, it's had more views than all the rest of them put together, or is it uh, silly? I, I don't
1: know if it's had more views than that, because the last few to have gone through the roof. But what it has been, it's been a regular uh, one that gets watched. So people are obviously finding some use in it. A lot of the time, we'll release something that's topical or talking about a new release. Once that window's passed, people aren't going to rewatch it. But yeah, with this it died, one, died. it keeps
0: going back. Getting out ready is... is as we probably said on that podcast, is not a five minute job and it is it's a multi-year not, job, no, isn't it's, it?
2: It's worth us covering again because yeah. we we have done so many, so much more We've in the last 12 months. Yes. Well, We're, we know more. So um, just
0: to define what this is, this is people who are on historic, NAV, Business Central, with CAL modifications who want to, uh, you know, who've now reached the point where they can't upgrade anymore, most of them, if they're on uh, BC14, and in order to move to uh, Business Central fifteen, well twenty now, um, you know they've got to have all of their customizations as apps um, rather than CAL object modifications. So it's that whole process of getting ready for the new world and getting in a position where you can upgrade, um, which you know is um, is quite long for people who've had now for 15-20 years as some of our customers had and they've had customizations added on top of customizations for the last 15 years change request after change request um you know unpicking all of that and transferring yeah. into apps is 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 not a simple well, people's process. businesses
2: will have changed as well over the last 10-15 years so yeah. things that they that were of, of vital importance ten years ago, maybe aren't so much anymore. And, and that, but those customizations will still be there because nobody would have took them out because nobody advertises anything up and
1: how's, how's, <laughs> okay. in any sense. But how um, I think, how, how does a customer know what customizations? So are, we've we've got
2: um, a, a defined process that we we go through now called the upgrade process where we will um, go through and we will pull out um, the modify. We've got a set of tools that we can use to um, compare, because actually you can go through and you can see what objects are modified, mm-hmm. but actually a modification might be that someone's moved a field on a form, yeah. or it might be a whole complex, but it will still just show as modified. And
0: actually the modification flag, if you've gone in, put a, modif- a customization in there and then take it out again, the it modified still flag still is there. there. So. But
2: also um, some partners really take idea. the modified flag off, yes. which means that even, even where objects have been modified, it looks like they haven't. Yeah. So we've got a process that that we can run that will compare um, your objects against a standard set of objects, so we can pull out exactly what modifications have been made, um, and we then um, kind of try and group them together. Whether that's by kind of mo- you know, if you remember when you had the FDDs done in your project, it might be a reference number. It might be if it's more recent to see our number that pulls it all together. Um, to see what documentation we've got that sits behind it. And we've also got some tools that will help us define what's actually being used. So for example, if a report's being run, um, if, a, if, a, if a code unit is being called at any point, so we can kind of identify what is being used in the system. Because the problem is a lot of our customers don't know what's modified and what's standard.
0: Well, it was modified um, you know, five um, years before they you know, arrived at that yeah, well, organisation. Yeah, well, customers
2: will say, well, like, you know, the our business this process for? is really standard, it's really simple. We didn't really need any customization, and then you find that actually they've had virtually every page modified. Um, every table's got extra fields hanging off it. Um, so then, once we've once we've gone through that step to see exactly what modifications are there, it's then a case of right, what is still needed going forward. So that kind of comes into probably three categories. So one, it's it's needed and it's still needed. So that will go on the on on the list of changes to be transfers. But then that's another pro, but then we'll come to that in a minute. It will be, that that was customized, but it's now available as standard. Either either out of the box, or just by slightly modifying your process, you can just use standard. Mm-hmm. So that that goes in the in the bin effectively. But we still have to go through the process of going to customer. And,
0: and maybe moving the data guys. out of what was the custom field yes. into the yep. the standard said, field. You know, the, the ship the two code on process. the, the yeah. default ship two code on the customer is a classic for that. Yeah, where we put that into multiple customers because they needed it and then suddenly Microsoft introduce it, but they introduce it as in one of the standard fields and you've got to, yeah. you've got to understand that that's got to be migrated. So that's a one-off yeah. process, isn't it? So there's a lot of those yeah. kind of one-off processes to move stuff yeah. around.
2: And then the third one is just customizations that actually you don't need at all anymore and they can just go along probably with the data that's, that's in them if there's any data. If, if, if you don't need that field, and you don't need the data in it, and that data's all out of date because no one's searched for 10 years, then they can probably go. So there's kind of three categories. Once you've got the, the list of things that are needed going forward, then it's a case of um, converting those, to deciding how are they, they're going to be converted to apps now. If anybody says to you that they'll just create one app called Custom Code and dump it all in there, then that is not the right approach at all. Um, neither necessarily is taking each individual mod reference or each individual CR reference and converting them one by one. Really, it takes um, a consultant and a a solution architect to look at and say, right, how should we structure these changes? So maybe we have one app for um, sales order customisations, one app for warehouse customizations. It might be that it goes and completely you need to group it
0: properly because you know if the field, if the custom field, for instance, ends up on your sales invoice, okay, then you know you you, you can't. Um, you need to move the whole set. So in effect, because a, a field that you put into an app. Can't be seen by the underlying CAL, the, the original yeah. object anymore. So you you need to understand the what we call the dependency chain of saying, okay, this is this needs it, this needs it, this needs it, and and move all of those together yeah. rather than move. You can't move one now think, and, um, and the rest later.
2: So yeah, so there's a there's a, an element of co- consulting and, and and development skill that goes into defining how that should be built. And then what, once, that's, once that's done, then it's a decision as to whether you do the actual conversion to apps as an, an, an ongoing process or as a, a big bang, and that depends where you are and in in what version you're currently on. So if you're currently on BC 14, then you can probably do it as a gradual process so you can replace your, um, your old code with an extension and delete your code in the current version. And then once you've got rid of all that, Old um, car Then you can think about upgrading. Then, if you're not yet on BC14, then you can't do that. You're only up because we can't. We can no longer cut a license for BC14. So you, if you're on Nav, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen, then your only choice is to is to get all of that ready and go straight to the latest version, which at the moment is BC20.
0: And, and and to be fair, though, that's a bigger piece of work to do. Now I would say if you're not on the progress of moving to apps, I would probably think about a re implementation or a or, or a, a full migration up through that full version. Going to fourteen now I would say We can't. I, I know you can't but I, I'm also saying you shouldn't because probably you know we're only a couple of years from BC14 going out it's like 18
2: so, months isn't it I yeah, I it's so it's, native, it, isn't it. it's coming around rapidly by the rapidly. time you did if you've got a big system by the time you you've done get it, there
0: you might uh, be done. out of it so. so
2: so in terms of data you've got the, uh, well in terms of getting from let's say you're on now 2017 and you want to get to um, BC 2021 on SAS or on premise doesn't actually make any difference you've you've you kind of got some different approaches that you can take. You could re-implement completely, mm. so you could basically say, "Let's just forget what we've got, spin up a completely standard, move the
0: master data,
2: and move master data chart of accounts, customers, vendors, open balances." So that what's what we'd call a re-implementation yeah. completely. You can just take data, so you can say, "Forget all my code," and you can just take all of your data, so you have a nice clean. Um, yeah, That's uh, it's data. what you said earlier however, about
0: you, you lose the custom fields. If, yeah,
2: yeah, however, yeah, if you've got data in custom fields, you've either got to find somewhere new to put it or, or um, it. or lose it.
0: And that and that migrating the data actually, because if you move it from you know, if, if you move it into an app, so you put a custom field into an app, um, in effect, that that shouldn't point to the original field in your custom CAL. So, one of the big learnings I think that, that is a very, very, very strong recommendation is that when you write the apps, don't write them on top of your custom objects. Okay, because you will introduce a dependency oh, God, to one nice. of the old yeah, the, customizations, that. which has been done too many times. And so, what you need to do is you need to write your apps on top of a clean BC14, because that's what they're going to have to work on top of eventually, if you want them to work. Yeah. If you if you if you use your custom object set, your CAL objects, and you use the um you know the, the, the symbols from those custom objects. Then probably you're going to have to do the app ready process twice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's bad news. So make sure your developers are doing it on top of, and and they'll moan a little bit around that because it means they'll probably have to create more data to do their testing process, etc. Um, than they would do if they were using it on top of a copy. You know the te- the dev mm-hmm. database in effect that they've traditionally had, but it does mean you need to be clean. The other thing I would say from that, not all BC14s are the same. So, what do I mean by that? I mean that when you get into the latest CU's of BC14, they've got more events. Microsoft, have, as they pushed out the new um, the, the, the cumulative updates, they've added events into those cumulative updates going through the piece. Yeah. So, if the developer goes and downloads the latest BC14 Docker image. And does it against the latest CU? Okay. When you actually come to implement that app back on an early, the earlier CU that you've upgraded to, it won't work. Now that gives you a different dilemma. Do you do a, a BC a CU update in in your 14 to get your 14 up to date so it's closer to the the BC 20 that you're in? eventually heading for, hope to head for, or do you re-engineer then to go through? So just make sure that those developers um, that are doing your app development for, for, for any customizations that you wanna keep are doing it on on a BC14CU that you're using, um, and it's a clean one. It doesn't have any underlying customizations. You can install, you know, impl- um, install The other apps that you've already built, that's fine. So have a dependency on on the apps that you've already got because you're going to take those apps to BC20. The CAL customizations, you're not. So make sure that you're orphaning them as as rapidly as possible. Um, And that's the the next thing I would say is once you've done that app, once that app is in and work, you've tested it and it works, in effect, remove the customizations from CAL because... Um if you leave them in there, there's a chance they'll get referenced and, and that will you know, you're back to square one then. Yeah. Which is a real um, you know, that's that's not a great thing to find, um, find out later in the process of oh, this references it. I, I still need it.
1: If if somebody hasn't moved their license back in September twenty one, I think it was, to BC fourteen, you can still upgrade though, can't you? You know it's not it's not going to stop you from upgrading because you, you we can still do it as a a single chunk process but obviously it's going to take some testing and a
0: bit more work to do yes but you go to 20 yeah yeah,
2: yeah i think yeah so that's the third option is that you just do a a, a like for like upgrade obviously it's like for like because you would have to convert your um yeah your cult extensions as part of the process but um, yeah, we so we, we, we may I go through it big it? It's a time and cost. Bo- that's and bo- that's why it. you do the app ready analysis because you look how much how much code we've got to take, how much data we've got to take, yeah. um, and actually it might be that the right answer is none of it uh, and a fresh start. You know, everybody likes the benefit behind sight, and I think there's not many of our customers that wouldn't say if we were going to implement this again, we would do it this way yeah I think so, most
1: most tend to lose some or a lot of their customizations. yeah I we, think so. when you've done that app um, or the, the customization analysis, how many times do you go to app source and see if something's in there? Is that something we do?
2: Well, yeah, we do um, but certainly we will first of all look to see if um it can be replaced by standard because that's yeah, obviously, obviously the, the yeah. cheapest and easiest way. Then we'll look at um app source and we'll see if it's anything that we can use um, but also our own. Um, additions, you know, code that we've got that we can reuse that isn't just used by one customer but used by multiple customers, um, and, and therefore will um, is a kind of a lower cost of ownership yeah. for the for the customer because it's um, it's pre-done, it's tested, it's it's proven, um, and it's not custom just to them. It's I, easy to support.
0: I think the app source thing is interesting. So, yeah, there's AppSource uh, entries that we use all the time. So they're on our standard standard list. If you let, um, so Abakians one. If it's intercompany, we'll probably go that route. You know, th- th- there's a bunch of others as well. Um, and so those actually everybody knows pretty much what they do and how they work and so on. So if we if we go in and we see some customization that does that, we'll go. Actually, here's the, the standard app that does that the number of times you know you go search app source and you come up with a completely new isv that you've never heard of before and does it it depends how specific um specific it is so um what do i mean by that i mean like um you know if, if it's if it's something that is a very one off that that you've not seen before you'll go look at you'll take a one off chance you but AppSource is maturing. I think there's there's a hell of a lot of extensions in AppSource, and you look at them, and actually you install them, you try and use them, and you struggle to get your head around them a little bit, and and you know that comes down then to the quality of the ISV, I think, of of how quickly you can find out how good the documentation is and so on. It's not just finding something in AppSource that says we do this. Yeah. It, it's also about like if I'm going to build a long term dependency on this. I want to be very sure that um, you know I can depend on not just the app, but the people who've built it and and all the backup around that. Um, because I think yeah,
2: don't become reliant on something that that isn't reliable. I well, very
0: you know, most partners now have had a, a, a bad ISV experience through AppSource as well as good ones, um, and that le- you, you learn from that.
2: But if we can use tried and tested code to meet a requirement, then you will, as opposed to custom.
1: And 12 months ago, when we recorded this, there was probably about a thousand apps on AppSource, about two and a half plus. Yeah. Yeah. That's the
0: last. It's
1: going up daily, isn't it? It's going up daily.
2: Our own um, additions are, you know, things that we do that fill, um, you know, time and time again, we come up against the same little gaps and every customer wants them. you know things like um, Re- surcharges, yeah. rebates, things that lots of our customers need mm-hmm. that that aren't catered for by the standard product. So we, we've got code that we we have that we can reuse for those customers. So it's not well, they're sur- not starting from scratch. Surcharges either, with yeah. all the
0: price increases that you know inflation going mad at recently has just been a hot topic with customers, isn't it? So yeah. having a solution where we've got all the documentation, we can drop it in. That's where apps really do work. Yeah.
2: Um, so, yeah, so the, so once that process is done and you've decided which of the three, so it's a so rapid process, then you decide clean start, data only, or full-on upgrade, kind of your three options. Um, then it's a, a, a case of, of, of getting... And if you're on BC14, you can do a bit of a hybrid and you can do it gradually. If you're on an older version, then it's, a, it's kind of a, a one-step process. Now, I personally wouldn't recommend you try and do major process re-engineering or changes to the system as part of that process. I would do that as almost a phase two. So I would get, rather than rather than over-complicating the kind of app-ready project, I would almost um, stop other, other developments.
0: <laughs> yeah, how often does that
2: happen? <laughs> mm, it did. I think, you know, I think we that if you focus on getting that done first and then do... The next stage so if you wanted to add on another isb or you wanted to to redevelop part of the system maybe do that as a secondary phase do that piece of work first it's difficult enough to get people bought into testing it and to um you know this your users have got to adapt to a new client which they which you know the web client the, yeah. they, you know if, if you're on um now 15 17 18 they're going to have to adapt to the new web client they don't necessarily they're going to have to learn
0: well, even if you're on BC14, new people who start in your organisation, get them using the web client. Because, yes, I know we'll all sit BC14, there and say, you can't yeah. make the columns wider and a few other things, but actually it's going to be a hell of a lot easier than, than w- learning the Windows client.
2: Yeah, um, if you're on that, BC14, then, then adopting the web client the web certainly client. For, for some users, it works. Is, it, then, then definitely do that. If you're not, then you can't do that. And, and go so through that, that pain because,
0: that. Um, you know, Four or five weeks after they've started using the web client, they'll say, "Actually, this is not too bad. Yeah, this I don't, is okay." Yeah, the first week they'll bitch like hell about it, but
2: it's like go through that energy, pain.
0: Yeah. You will. Yeah. It's coming. So, so
2: yes. Yeah, so my my recommendation will be that you do it as a as a as a project on its own, and then add to it afterwards, rather than. Um,
0: I think the other the recommendation is try and make the individual steps as small as possible. You know, I think when, and and actually this is an all-up recommendation for, for, for any kind of customization work or whatever you're, that you're doing. Once you're live, you know, have a, um, do smaller steps more frequently rather than making doing bundling a whole bunch of changes and what tends to happen is everybody starts out with that intention is oh but I need this but I need this but I need this and suddenly the whole batch of changes have got huge and then everybody goes Oh this is really risky and um you know we're not quite sure it's how well like, this is going to work. It a bit longer and, oh, and we and must do some more testing. We must should have, do some more kind everyone of uh, will have quality assurance.
2: make it a sprint not a mm. marathon or even a slow labored jog. A sprint. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Um you know but finish the sprint have a couple of breaths and then do the next sprint. Yeah. It's kind of it you will achieve more you will get further actually by doing that than your slow labor job that's thats for a huge batch of changes. So I think, especially in the app ready process, um, when maybe you're mixing some mandatory business change in amongst it, yeah. um, you keep them small, kind of three, four week, six week maximum cycles of develop, test, implement.
1: And quick question there, are we now writing, um, you know, the automated testing when that is that? that Not much? enough, Liam. That's the, Not idea, enough. That's, that's the goal, that's the ideal.
0: Yes, it is, it is the ideal. I think, um, you know, it's certainly an opportunity to write those tests. The difficulty is that writing the tests isn't as quick and as easy as, as, as lots of us might want um,
2: yeah, and often it takes as long as the development itself
0: you're it's almost doubling the time doubling yeah. the cost uh,
2: yeah. and, it can take and, longer and, and for, for customers that's not that's not necessarily well, an easy sell.
0: let's just break that down because it can take longer yes the first test for for instance if you take a sales order cycle of creating a sales order posting it and, and, and so on the first test you write you know will take a long time, hours, possibly days, if you've got lots of, uh, of bits and pieces. But then picking up that test and changing three parameters and and doing it again will take you ten minutes. You yeah. know, so it's
2: long-term gain is an automated it's, testing. The,
0: the problem is that everybody looks. You know, you've got to get that over that initial mountain of getting the first test developed in a particular area. Once you've done that first test. To, to do all the permutations. Now, if you do a manual testing cycle, typically every time you go around that testing cycle, it takes the same period of time. So the more permutations you want to test of anything, the more um, beneficial automated testing is. So you know, for us, the warehousing processes, the distribution processes, absolutely because you know, am I testing? What am I testing? Am I testing a pick which has got three um, three lines of the same item from different bins? And, you know, this one's got a, 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 a item tracking on. This one hasn't. This one's coming from this zone. This one's coming from this. Doing that manually. Doing that manually Every to set time. the data up yeah. can take you fifteen minutes each time to just get the data right. Mm-hmm. Then you process it through. Find something that's wrong that you realise is a is a data setup. So you then have to do the 15 minutes again to try it through again without changing a line of code just because you didn't realise that, you know, that bin hadn't got that max quantity in the right way and all the rest of it. So that's where, you know, the the longer your manual testing cycle, the more automated testing works. If your manual testing cycle takes you five minutes to check something, doing an automated test, Hmm, it's gonna be a long time before that pays off. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but it is gonna be a long time before it pays off. If you're doing the automated testing cycle, you know, if you're doing a manual testing cycle and that manual test is taking you 10 minutes to get finds, you know, find some data in your test system that's a snapshot of your live from a month ago, um, and then run the test through and then find another piece, you know, another item that's got. Quantity in stock and in the right location and all the rest of it. Um, That's where I think that once you've done the... um, And I think actually one thing that I think we've got to do better is we've got to tell the client when we've run an automated test and it's passed. At the moment, we only tell the client when we run the automated test and it fails. And actually, it doesn't fail that often. because we're quite good at what we do. So actually, they pay all this money for developing automated tests, and then don't really see the fact that they're getting benefit from that. So I think there's a psychology thing there of of, everybody realizing quite what benefit automated testing tests are. Um, People very rapidly forget quite how painful manual testing comprehensively was. When they haven't done it for a few months, they're <laughs> like, oh, um, you know, they, they, they move on. But um, we perhaps need to emphasise that, uh, and, and your tests need to be, every time you update, you, know, you do that CR to change something. Really, you need to look at how your tests need to change to do it when a book comes in. Well, you know, well, classical theory, having, when a book's reported, you write the well, yeah, and test and then you- If
2: you're on SAS and you're getting monthly updates, yeah then having automated tests on, on key processes is is really important because uh, realistically, you're not gonna test your full system end to end every month. You're not, it's just not gonna happen.
0: Let's just be clear though, automated tests don't, you, you still have to create the sandbox and go in and just do a visual check. It You know, the automated tests- doesn't replace. As far as I'm aware, doesn't require, doesn't replace just um, because it'll ensure that the, the field is on the page, it doesn't ensure that it, looks in like it's in the right place. And yeah. It's part part, looks of the, good. part of the puzzle. Part part. It's part of, yeah. part of the, yeah. it's part of the cycle, not. It minimizes anything. some
2: risk, I think, particularly when you're on um, when you're on SAS and you're having these very regular updates. If you've got key key, key customizations. Um I think it kind There are of some,
0: you know, there are some challenges, so um, we're doing more and more with Power Platform and D365 integration. Um, How do you write an automated test that goes right across that piece? You know, web service integration as well, where you're you're linking up to FedEx or or an EDI system or some pricing system or stock availability system from a third party.
2: Integration is the hardest thing to test, regardless of the method, aren't they? They are, um, you know, just having test environments of the systems that you're trying to integrate with but you don't always can be get, really do challenging.
1: Yeah, some of the third yeah. party carriers don't give you testing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Or, or it's a, it's quite
0: or it's worse, the test systems are actually out of line with live. Yeah. So you test it against the test system. Yeah. Mentioning no names, DPD, um, and then you transfer to live and it doesn't work the same way. And they go, Oh yeah, that's been like that for a while. Ah. Oh. So, you know, it's um it does make it hard. But yeah. Um I think you know, but like the rest of our world has evolved and evolved quite rapidly. If you look back five, five or more years, um, I'm sure this will evolve as well. So anything. So else yeah. So I think if ready? you
2: haven't had the app ready process done, then then that would be the first thing to do. So you understand where you are. Maybe we should say if you've got to the end of this podcast and you, you mention. That we give you a little bit of discount on you. Uh,
0: <laughs> <when you're at laughs> discount, discount, God. Discount.
2: Um, if you managed to get to the end of this podcast, then um, mention it, and uh, we'll see. I
0: think um, <laughs> you know it. It's um, yeah. It, it, like I said, it, it, the number of clients who are going through this process, it's now almost the exception that that's that's um, stuck back on legacy and has no plans.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um which is, you know, um, I think in the business world today where there's such rapid change. And, and my question, you know, again, visiting that client yesterday, using the, the Windows client, that was BC14. I'm, you know, in a world of full employment, are, you, are your best people gonna hang around if your systems are stuck back in um, what everybody sees as slow and clunky land? I would I would question the business decision making around it's not just the system it's it's customers and staff especially are increasingly expecting um, you know a level of this is normal um, and um, I'm afraid where Nav was ten years ago yeah, is I think, not um, now regarded as cus- customers as say normal. to me
2: all the time we're just not a technology led company but really can you afford not to be can you afford not to have some people in your organisation that understand the value of of the systems and the technology that's well I think I think
0: it's you know uh, what you're also saying is the next generation I sound really old now <laughs> but uh, you know the, the people who are uh, now managing most organisations are have grown up with this stuff mm. and and actually won't accept the fact that it's not It's not fit for purpose, Um, you know, and you you wouldn't accept a machine in your factory that only works one in four times that you press the button or, you know, makes you do a massive extra process every time you run it through a cycle. Um, Why would you expect software? Just just because software's not something you can see doesn't mean it has value. You know, I think that the, the, the days of people regarding systems um of less value just because they can't physically see it. Um, yeah, it. it can make an enormous difference to your organization and the more you scale if you've ambition to scale or even keep, keep keep the same, it's also defense. you know I think the other thing that you see is the competition is not standing still, not for us, not for our clients and so the expectation of what is normal today, Um, and the expectation um, is is very different from um, even five years ago. Uh, uh, People, clients, they expect to contact you and they expect to have an answer. And if you've got to do two hours work to get that answer every time, you're gonna be very efficient. Those that think, all right, we'll just continue using this system for the next decade, and then I don't care. Uh, Is probably the attitude for some. Um, have a plan, please, because it's um, all the people you're going to leave behind in that business are going to need it. Oh, that's a sober night. <laughs> 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 Anything else Bad on that? BC fourteen.
1: No, we're good. I think it's good to do an update. I say we, we've got uh, we've had good good numbers on the last one, so people must be finding it useful. You just have a, a
0: refresh is always good. So, thanks. Yeah, fantastic. ball on, I think. Lovely. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And see you on the next one. Thanks.